Hey, 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 everybody. How are you all guys doing? Welcome to the Wimper Podcast, where we talk about all the goofy stuff related to space, astronomy, deep tech, AI, and a lot more to learn about which you won't find much in a conventional form of education. Hey, have you heard of this one? Balance rings? Like these are... The, Sorry, the, no. So there, you might have heard of O'Neill's rings, I guess. Have you? O'Neill's rings? Never no. heard of it. In fact, a company oh. in India is trying to work on him. Like even, I mean, their concept is that they've pitched that and they've raised $1.5 million. And now they're making... I know O'Neill's... Rings. Sorry, I'm yeah. just going to pronounce this. Yeah. O'Neill's cylinder is a space settlement concept proposed by yeah. American physicist. Yeah, okay, okay. Never heard of it. Yeah. Um, so um, a company is, I mean, actually, okay, so these guys are from IIT Bombay. So you know IIT okay. Bombay, I guess, yeah. Okay, um, okay. So prob- yeah, probably h- hardest engineering college in India to get in. Cool. Yes, yes. Um, and so these guys pitched the idea to their the incubation center at IIT Bombay. And he was a professor, the founder is a professor at IIT Bombay. So okay, um, okay. pretty much it was... I mean, I don't know if it's easy. I would. I don't want to say it, but yeah, there is one. How about we? How about we discuss this in the podcast as well? Wait, so th- this is a recording. Oh, wait, wait, we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would never told you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they raised one point five million dollars out of it, and uh, now they're building. Uh, I mean, they just uh, announced that they have tested their first rocket engines on a static test pad. I was like, okay, why the, the, did they start making rockets? They had to make things in space, right? I, I mean, and yeah. obviously the co- the concept is actually pretty absurd, and it's obviously not proven uh, true in any form, any way or form in physics or anywhere. Like it was just proposed in a book. So the book's name is, if I have the book over here. Uh, I searched it up just two seconds ago, so I can yeah. just search it up again. <laughs> O'Neill Cylinder yeah. was proposed in the 1976 book, The High Frontier Human Colonies in Space. Mm. Okay, so this uh, was in that. Yeah. I know, I did not read it there. I, I read it in um, Max Tegmark, if you know him. Max oh, Stegmark. never heard of yeah. him. Never heard, okay, never so heard Ma- of him. Max Tegmark is the professor of AI at MIT. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And so he wrote this book called Life 3.0, um, which was about, uh, uh, which was about obviously machine intelligence, and he and he, you know, introduced that uh, with with a literal photo uh, over there, and I think that was one of the most one of the most descriptive photos of the idea of O'Neill's. Um, okay, um, I'm gonna come back in a few. Okay, um, then I would have to do a few edits, right? Like, have to put this part uh, in the f- in the very front. Like, where or I do you just want to start from the start? Okay. And we can okay, do this like a two-part that, thing. Even before that, tell me, do you trust IQ tests? Uh, n- okay, very controversial question. Uh, yes and no. Um, it measures something about intelligence, but not everything. So what do you think you're right? Have thing. you given one yet? Uh, no. So... No. No. Why? Um, no. Uh, I see. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm. When it doesn't even measure your intelligence properly, what is the point of doing it? That's 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 my what, way of putting it. On what basis are you saying? For me, for me, here's the thing. The IQ test, um, or more specifically, your IQ score, just puts you. It just compares you to everyone else on a bell curve, right? Yeah. So if your if IQ is a hundred, you're you're average. You're basically that's the definition of yeah, average, average IQ. Yeah. You get a hundred. Right. 
Um, and, and, and it just really just comes back to the point, like, why would you do a test that doesn't measure your full intelligence, right? The intelligence is a variety of different things. It's not just pattern recognition, yeah. which is mo what most IQ tests are, mm. right? I might be great at pattern recognition, but terrible at something else. Does that really reflect my true intelligence? No. No. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I gave um, one yesterday. And, uh, okay, what'd you get? What'd yeah. you get? <laughs> I, I thought I would obviously get higher. I bet you got 120 or something ridiculously high. That's not I just high. feel like that's not high. I thought it would be no, no, okay. 30 or something. Okay, okay, okay. I, I... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so actually, 120 IQ is actually considered fairly high. I mean, Einstein's IQ was about 150, right? 160, Think about it this 160, way. 50, yeah, uh, yeah, 150, 160, right? Um, your IQ, even with an IQ of 120, you're still well above the average. You're still well above the average by a mile, by a okay, long way. The th okay, look, the thing is, I have given two before. I mean, okay, one IQ test before this one. Wait, okay, that was not okay. exactly official. For this one, I literally paid for all the data that they would give me. Okay, and what did you get? <laughs> and yeah, uh, so, okay, so the first one that I gave, which was obviously not official, uh, and it was some from very random site. So that was 132. Okay, that's a very high. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And from for this one, um, I completed the test in like, uh, okay, so it was 20 minutes. I completed it in like 10, 10 11 minutes. Um, and I did, and they, b before even paying, they just told me that you're better than 99% of people who took this test. And your visu visual, um, what can you say? Intelligence is better than 97% people who gave this test. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I just paid them $20 and uh, they sent me the report and the score was 127. Now... 127, okay. Yeah. And then, and then uh, they told me that I was 96 out of 100 in four categories and 60 out of 100 in one category, which was the reason why uh, it, was, it was in 120s. And... That's, and uh, the problem is that they did not even show what answers did I get wrong. But then I thought maybe there are no wrong answers. I don't know. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I presume my IQ, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know, <laughs> yeah. and I honestly don't care. Like, yeah. here's the thing. You can be intelligent by reading a bunch of books, yeah. right? That's one way of being intelligent, mm -hmm. right? And that's... One aspect of being okay, intelligent. So, the, having a lot so of this, the one that I gave yesterday was not exactly as hard. The hardest one I would say that I even tried for just two questions was this, was the, in fact one of the first uh, tests that was ever developed for the sake of in measuring IQ, and it was Stanford Binet test. Uh, and so it was obviously uh, uh, done by some professor named Binet at Stanford. And uh, that was that one was really hard for me. I don't know why. Uh, so I left it in like two questions. It was supposed to be of hundred questions because I was already out of brain capacity after giving the first test. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. Now we can start off. So uh, let me introduce. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wimper Podcast. Um, not a really, I mean, not a really goofy introduction this time. Um, Okay, oh, one, so <laughs> what what is it now? <laughs> um, okay, so Rudra uh, is I guess third time on the show, uh, and uh, fourth maybe. I All mean right. fourth could be like because uh, okay, the last one that we done that we did 
it was not on audio, so it was just purely video. So this one is going oh, to be on okay. yeah on both video and audio. So yeah, um, so Rudra has his own book out. Okay, uh, what is the book? Soon, soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah obviously. Uh, so there's a pre-launch. It is pre-launched. Uh, the copy has been sent to me. Uh, not for everyone. So I'm special. <laughs> cool. Okay. So could you introduce the book to the audience, please, uh, Rudra? So uh, I guess I'll start by saying hi, everyone. Uh, namaste. Namaskaram. Um, yeah. How, however you introduce yourself. Assalamu alaikum. Um, uh, so I guess the book that I've been uh, writing for the last few months is called The Nine Marbles. And um, there's actually a really funny reason. But first, um, uh, there's a funny reason why I named it that. But before I get into that, um, I should probably highlight what the book is about because it doesn't actually it, – it, The Nine Marbles is not a great title when it comes to explaining what the book's about. Um, mm -hmm. So um, the book is about the solar system, right? You can tell from the cover uh, – uh, edited by scientific professionals, so astronomers, and from what I've heard from them, they've all said that it's a very in it's a very interesting read, um, is what they've said. So definitely a book that um, everyone can have a go at. Um, mm. Yeah. So yeah, so I I'll explain a bit more about the book, but um, basically the book is sort of design. It's sort of designed to be like. Here's the thing. When you look at other solar system books, the one thing that I found is that a lot of them just go straight into the details. And while that's usually a great thing, you get into the details, you get into the nitty gritty details of the solar system. You compare the planets to each other and all that stuff, type of stuff. What I found is, is that they don't actually take a step back and sort of ask like, wait, what exactly is a planet, right? What is an asteroid? What is a meteor? What is a meteorite? Um, what um you know what are some of the mysteries that we've still got to understand about the solar system how did venus form all these questions right they are just sort of overlooked because they go so much into the detail of the statistics oh mars orbits at this radius around the sun right um and the really cool 3d pictures right and while that's great um ideally i sort of want to provide that more astronomers perspective so what exactly are astronomers currently learning about the solar system what do they already know um, and what are some of the amazing photos that um, have been captured uh, of these planets? So mm -hmm. that's kind of what the book's about. Mm -hmm. So and uh, like, I, you've had a like you've a had a read of the PDF. Is it like uh, no? Yeah. I haven't yet. Uh, I've got busy. Oh, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try reading a few pages today. Um, so actually, I'm working on my own book. So that is why I just did not did not want myself to get influenced by some other book. But anyway, maybe uh, another podcast on that. Uh, that book is not on space but yeah it's still a technological some yeah somewhere towards that so yeah huh mm. um so what i was saying was um so it's a very visual illustrative book is it uh is it something like that in a way yeah so basically the book is structured and uh, i'll talk about the structure for a little bit mm. um and i also come back to why i named it the nine marbles in mm. the first place mm -hmm. so so the book is structured into um, mm -hmm. what I see as four main sections, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got section one, defining the celestial bodies, right? Mm -hmm. What is a planet? Like, what is a star? Um, it, these are some of the questions that um, sort of are not really, I say I have not seen, I personally have not seen in 
solar system books. And I was like, well, it's, it's something that people should know about, right? Mm. Instead mm. of just saying Venus is a planet, mm. right? What exactly does a planet mean? Because mm. back in the day, 1800s or 1600s, if you asked an astronomer then, mm. what is a planet? They would have given you a slightly different definition, right? 2000 mm. years ago, it mm. would have been different still. Yeah. So it's really under, it's really about understanding the evolution of the ideas in astronomy and the definitions, right? Once people, the general public is able to understand the definitions that scientists use, then only can they really start to understand the research that they're doing, mm. right? Science is pinned down on definitions, right? If, if you, um, if, if you have loose definitions mm -hmm. in science, yeah. Those need yeah. to be resolved because otherwise yeah. they can in introduce problems. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I started off with section one. This is the mm. these are the definitions. Mm. Probably that is also the reason why. And these this is a bit of a yeah. yeah. You can continue. You can continue. Yeah. So it's the reason why I started off with this section. So the next section is the typical stuff that you find in a solar system book. So it's like each of the planets, the sun, yeah, and. Uh, I sort of, uh, with, the, with the format, I didn't want it to be like, you've got two pages and yeah. it's like, you've got 3D diagrams and all that type of stuff yeah. um, in the in the book. And it's like, oh, here's some statistics and cool graphics and everything. Mm. Um, I just wanted to sort of keep a bare bone so that um, not only could I pack as much content into the book as possible, but I could also sort of explain what exactly the what what research is actually happening, right? Mm. Why are we sending probes to these planets? Why do we send pro uh, I don't know dozens of probes to Venus, right? It wasn't just a space race. There was actual research that people that scientists were trying to do there. Why are we sending rovers to Mars? These are some big questions that a lot of um, Astronomy skeptics have they they like why are we spending so much money yeah. on astronomy yeah yeah why are we giving so much the money to NASA is, okay the thing is that people don't really okay I saw this great video today um um so the thing is that people you know critique a lot about NASA and it uses a lot of their tax money and all of that um and the thing is that uh if you divide one dollar into like the entire government's budget of the United States and then try to chip out the budget for NASA out of all of that, like the entire dollar, you would not even mm -hmm. reach the ink that is beside the border. Okay. So you would even like, you would just stay, like, I don't know, I mean, obviously you need to observe the US dollar for that, but you would just stay like on the border and you would not even reach the ink uh, for that. So yeah. that's like very tiny fraction of the entire budget and like, what is it? 25, 30 billion dollars a year. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. So get, let me put this, let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me put it this way. Um, for those who don't know how much of a percent NASA's budget is, yeah. um, it's about half a percent, half a percent yeah, yeah. of the entire fourth, US government budget is going to NASA. I, I think it's a fourth of a percent. Something. It's actually half a percent. So it's about $60 billion or something like that. 60 billion US dollars, right? Mm. Um, that much money is going to NASA. Everything mm. else is for other things. So yeah. with 60 billion US dollars, we're able to do so much stuff in space. Mm. Just mm. imagine what would happen if we spent 1% of our budget yeah. um, or 2%. But no, mm. all these astronomy skeptics are like, no, we're not going to spend more money on space, Yeah. on space. Supposed fantasy. Also, the thing is that it's science. no government, no government spends all the money that it makes every year. So, like, if the U.S. GDP is like what twenty-five trillion dollars, and uh, out of that, is those twenty-five trillion, 
Like, for example, okay, let me give you an example of India because I know this one better. So the thing is that India's GDP is at 3.5, 3.4 trillion dollars. Okay. So which, which basically yeah, means if, that, you, yeah. if you want to get into the economic side of things is that India makes 3.5 trillion dollars uh, like in revenue. It's not even profit yet. So what, So out of that 3.5 trillion, we spend about 460 billion every year on all the sectors combined. So that's like what a fifth yeah. of the entire entire GDP of like of what we make. So our cost of of uh, spending is much less than cost of of I mean, whatever whatever we make. So our income is a lot more than so, what we spend. So that's that's a good thing in some terms, but I think obviously more money if spent maybe things could be made better, but yeah, still I mean countries yeah. making a good economic project, progress, yeah. So uh, I'll just add to that. So GDP is actually a measure of how much, how much economic output there is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily how much a country makes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more so like, for example, for example, it is the, so if you were to add up all the purchases that happened, it happens in a country, just add mm. those all up. Mm. That's pretty much what GDP is. Uh, it's a measure yeah, of absolutely. how much, how much mm. purchases has been happening, yeah, has yeah. been happening, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the budget, the budget is far less, right? The mm. national budget is far less than the GDP, mm. but still, for example, stuff like debt in still increases, mm. right? And the reason why is because governments are spending more than their budget allows, not mm. their GDP. So just yeah. be, it's just a slight change of thinking, mm. but, I'm just going to continue with more yeah. about what the Both book's books. about. So okay, okay. you've got section two, which is okay, about first, all even, the planets. Even, even before of that, if I ask you the question, why should anyone like find this book useful? Like what is this, this particular book having that you know, makes it more utilitarian than other books? Okay. Hmm. So I, I guess I'll start by saying it, it's structured in a very, very... Um, it's structured in a different yet familiar way, right? Mm -hmm. So the structure makes all the difference, right? The content might be the same, right? right? Let's be completely real. Any solar system book pretty much, pretty much has the same content. It depends on when it was published, but more or less it has the same content, right? Um, the thing with this book is, A, it is, it's based on up-to-date 2023 research, peer-reviewed, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, so um, all the sources, um, all the sources are provided, and there's even research papers you could actually delve into if you wanted to in your own spare time. Mm. Two, yeah. there's um, the book. Uh, the book uh, focuses on the the beauty of the solar system, right? Mm. That's the key vision, right? Um, I don't want 3D models or 3D like diagrams. I want you to actually see from like the cameras of our space probes and rovers what other planets look like mm. right and while this is readily available you know it's it's sort of like why would you spend ages trying to find the stuff through like through the internet right um it's all in one place right so it's all in one place yeah. um and that's kind of the vision of the astropods everything astro all in one place mm. number three the book contains a lot of content it's not just it's not just limited to you know, oh, here's some information about Mars. Here's some information about the sun, right? Here's some statistics here and there. It's actually, it's actually about, it's talking about definitions. It's talking about research. It's talking about what, like what astronomers think about when they're doing solar system or planetary research, right? Yeah. It's talking about some of the big questions that we still have and some of the progress that has been made in those areas. It, it, um, 
it showcases um, people who are involved in all of these projects and all of these um, all of these events and research that are otherwise not really recognized. Um, uh, so there's a lot of stuff here. And it also, also number four, mm-hmm. is that a lot of these solar system books, they, um, and this, again, this is from my personal experience. Um, maybe there's one or two odd books that might already have this. But from my personal experience, most typical solar system books, they um, do not mention significant information on um, space probes, on rovers, um, or stuff like that, Right. Uh, and what its impact on what those space probes impact has been in the current research of those planets. Mm-hmm. This book includes that. It embeds that into the actual book itself. This book is research driven. It's astronom. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, astronomer yeah. driven, yeah. right? It's not. It's not like a typical. Oh yeah, there's a random author who's going to work with a big publishing company to make a book for you on the solar system. So yeah, it's an astronomer's yeah, so, so focus. Have you tied up with a publisher? Is like Amazon KDP. Uh, so for now, it's self-published. It's self-published. Yeah. But uh, if there are any publishing companies interested, mm-hmm. contact me. Yeah. Contact me. I mean, Get in touch with me. I'd people, be interested. Only if a lot of people will listen to this. So cool. Um, anyways. Uh, so shall we start talking about solar system stuff? Or I mean, we have talked a lot about... Sure, if you want yeah, to. People, yeah, I'd people, be happy to. get bored. Like, only bo- 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 I, I just can't spoil it too much because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah you've got to leave some content for the book as well. Um, yeah, anyway. Mm, uh, so, okay. Um, so I saw this very interesting uh, YouTube short. Okay, so the thing is that I lot of, watch a lot of YouTube shorts, but okay, most of them are not cringe dance videos, so that's good. Okay, and, okay, okay. And, and, and because we don't have TikTok, so that's really good. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, um, so what NASA is doing is basically trying to replicate the atmosphere of Mars. Uh, not exactly the atmosphere, I would say. Um, I'm saying uh, it's, they're actually 3D printing a maze kind of an area within a small enclosed living space. Okay, uh, It has TV, it has sofas, it has everything that you would want, like basins and you know, you know kitchen and all of that that you would find in a typical house. But the thing is that they're trying to replicate these, those things uh, um, in the way they would happen on Mars. So the thing is that whenever any... So the thing is that people and so a few astronauts and a few trainers are going to live inside that house for a few days or maybe a few months. I don't know exactly. Um, and the thing is, if they want to try to contact outside that house, it would take them 22 days to get a con- to, um, you know, contact outside. And uh, there would be, and and then whenever somebody from outside tries to contact them back into the room, um, then it would take 22 more days, which is basically what happens between Earth and Mars in communication delay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, they're basically replicating all of that, like on Earth, trying to replicate the living experiences of Mars. You know, so that was really Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll. Yeah. So basically, uh, that's it. Okay. So this is this is the idea of um, preparing humans for Mars, preparing humans for the the Martian environment. Obviously, they you can't replicate Martian gravity on Earth, so they're going to try and replicate it as best as possible, right? So um, it's actually not twenty two days the communication difference between 24. Earth and Mars. So the speed of light. 
it's 22 hours actually it's around 22 oh. hours oh. i'm sorry not even 22 hours what am i saying Ooh, 22 hours minutes. is the is the, the i don't know yeah sorry my bad it's it's yeah it's around about yeah 10 to 20 minutes so oh, yeah. um oh yeah I was, so wow. <laughs> yeah i was so <laughs> so, so so i was actually gonna say um i was actually gonna say um but now i made that mistake as well so 22 hours is actually the uh the time it takes for light to travel between earth and the furthest spacecraft voyager one that's the dis oh, yeah. that's how far yeah that's how far voyager one is just for context yeah. but um but what they what they're basically trying to do is replicate that Martian environment as best as they possibly can, and so um, uh, and NASA's doing this so that they can prepare people for Mars to see who can who can psychologically handle the stress of being isolated mm. from literally everyone else. Yeah, I mean, don't about we already do that here? Millions of kilometers away. Don't we already do that kind of here on Earth? Like people staying in the homes on their screens and all of that. Okay, it's not that so, extreme. It's not. It's like you you have an option of going outside. Here you don't have an option. So that's, yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah, they don't have an option. Um, but not even that. It's it's um, they're not even like I, I presume they would also be training. Like for example, every time they go outside, they have to wear a spacesuit, even they though they're on they Earth. They still have to wear a spacesuit. Outside is just for um internal like like when they would create three D printed houses on Mars when they were each there like with humans then like yeah when while living in those houses how would the conditions be Good yeah 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 mm -hmm. so um yeah so essentially what they're doing is preparing people for Mars mm -hmm. um there was this uh there was this actually this um Dutch organization called Mars One or I I can't remember but. Um, basically, that organization sort of said, "Hey, we'll be able to book tickets for you for a one-way ticket to Mars." And when it when it does happen, and uh, the the dumb thing is, is that no, you're not going to go to Mars anytime soon because they're going to require rigorous training for you to even get to Mars in the first place. So not only do you have to know your astronomy, like your sorry, your aeronautical engineering and all the stuff that's required to mm -hmm. run a rock a spacecraft um mm -hmm. while you're there mm -hmm. um while you're on the way but then you also have to deal with the psychological you know isolation that actually exists it's not even psychological it's actual physical isolation you are on mars everyone else is on earth everyone you know is on earth so that isolation is something that a lot of these pe initial people will have to deal with um I thought you were going to mention uh, the idea of mm. uh, terraforming the Martian atmosphere, mm -hmm. um, which was something um, which I thought you were going to discuss. But the but the Martian atmosphere, um, it's pretty bad. Like, there's not much to terraform about it. Um, you, all you need to do, just chuck know. a bunch of nitrogen gas into it, yeah, chuck a bunch of oxygen gas, yeah. Add, a mag add an artificial magnetosphere and you've got yourself a Martian atmosphere. Oh, and so, also add water honestly, on the actual planet. You need to break, break CO2 into carbon and oxygen separately. Uh, so, yeah, obviously you need to make that chemical reaction work. And then you will have, like, oxygen. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that will be liquid oxygen as well. I don't think it will be gaseous oxygen because then, you know, how would you, like, make the entire Martian atmosphere at once... Uh, dominate, dominate, dominated with O2, right? 
So, uh, yeah. So uh, I guess so. Basically, um, I think the process you can you yeah. So you can. There is a chemical reaction that allows you to, um, yeah, that allows you to um, uh, create oxygen gas from carbon dioxide. The pr the question is why? Because the Martian atmosphere is already so thin. It's about one percent that of Earth's. Why is my question? Why? Why uh, the the better the better solution would be um, add nitrogen gas, add oxygen gas. So you could get it from asteroids. You you were saying that take gas either from Earth or somewhere else. Like what? No no no. So um, asteroids. So asteroids have got a lot of nitrogen. So there are certain asteroids that have got lots of nitrogen. There are certain asteroids that are filled with oxygen. In fact, you could just throw them on Mars, right? If you wanted to. Um, so May, like, okay, so that's like something very bad. Like it's absurd. It really is absurd. <laughs> Just like the whole flat earth theory. That's absurd. <laughs> no, I'm saying, look, it's, the thing is that the volume doesn't match. Okay, so the thing is, if, if you, even if you, I, I don't think even if we fill the entire Mount Everest up with oxygen and like burst it up, so there would be an absurd amount of oxygen in the atmosphere. I don't think that will happen really. Because so, the so the thing is, the is that size the size of the planet and the size of the mountain still is a lot larger than what we think of it as it as it is. You know. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm suggesting. Yeah. So that's why um, many uh, planetary researchers, when they when they being when they get questioned about terraforming planets like Mars, right. they um, they immediately say, "Well, the only way you can really terraform Mars's atmosphere." and surface hmm. is well first get the atmosphere right and yeah. then two get the surface right and how how do you get the surface uh, how do you get the atmosphere right well firstly you need to make it the same pressure as earth's atmosphere right you need to make the um the atmosphere of mars thick enough such that it exerts the same pressure that earth's atmosphere does right now if I, i'm sitting here you're sitting there right earth's atmosphere is exerting a exerting pressure on our body this entire time we don't notice it because we're so used to it yeah, yeah. but it's it's actually it's defined to be one atmosphere's worth of pressure yeah, yeah. Kind of we need to generate one atmosphere's worth of pressure on mars mm. right that requires a lot of oxygen a lot of nitrogen mm. and we would actually need extra carbon dioxide so more than we have here on earth to be able to um warm up mars's surface enough such that it could actually have liquid water right. However, right. how, however, I'm not the biggest supporter of the Martian idea. I, I, I like Titan, Titan more. But, like, yeah, that's just my bias. Yeah. Uh, Wait, give me a second. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I was about to sneeze. I was about to sneeze. And then I was like, no, nah, you know what? I went sneeze. Um, but, yeah, I, Titan, so for those who don't know, Titan is a planet, uh, sorry, not a planet. It's a moon. moon that orbits Saturn. Jupiter. Saturn. My bad. I am fumbling it, statistics today. Saturn? Yeah, is it not Saturn? I guess it was Saturn. Uh, my bad. It is Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fumbling all the statistics today, um, and I don't know why. Um, but yes, Titan is a planet that orbits Saturn. It's it's got a. Um, oh, I actually confused Titan with Europa. My bad. Oh, so yeah. um, Titan is a planet that orbits Saturn. So, um, and it's it's pretty much the only moon that we know of that has a significant atmosphere around its like around its surface. Um, that's why it's opaque. Um, and there's actually a, a probe that's sent there right now called the Huygens probe. Mm. Um, that was actually meant to study 
Titan specifically. Yeah. So remember the Cassini probe back in the day? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, so a lot. So along with the Cassini probe was the Huygens probe as well. So that's why it was called the Cassini Huygens mission, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there, that was also sent so to. I guess um, one was the orbiter, you know, one was the probe, research, or something like that. They were both sent at the same time, so they were so they were put into the same rocket. Um, they yeah, were put yeah. into the same capsule. Yeah, yeah, I remember, so I do, while um, while Cassini, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during one of the flybys of Titan, um, yeah, the Cassini probe just launched the Huygens mm. probe into Cassini, uh, into guess, Titan. And it returned is, to... Yeah. Similar to what Chandrayaan-2 was trying to do. Or maybe Chandrayaan-3 is... No, Chandrayaan-2 was trying to... Yeah. Chandrayaan-3 is... Yeah, so Chandrayaan... Yeah, so Chandrayaan-2 was planning to... Um, but it was planning to do two things. One was the orbiter. That's that was successful. Yeah, the yeah. second um, thing that it needed to do was land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, didn't work. Yeah. That didn't work out too well. I think they've even they've even disclosed why it did not work out well. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have now there are just read on political here. videos like China did it and all of that thing, all of those things. Yeah. Okay, so there, so there's the conspiracy theories, but I think there was a genuine reason why yeah, yeah. it happened, no, it, and it was, they it disclosed it. It was it was I I guess it it was finally mentioned because okay the, my first pod- podcast actually was someone who was actually a junior um you can say in the team of chandrayaan 2 okay so so he worked on the oh he or oh, she yeah. worked on the chandrayaan 2 so, um, i mean I, wow he was, how, he, he was like a student more moreover like but he was at the lab he was at the center uh, he was working on okay okay yeah. okay yeah so he I was like my first ever okay. guest he was like my first ever guest um and he, yeah, he has his own startup and all of that now. Um, and uh, he said that it was actually an, a, a, a communication problem. Like, uh, like there was a communication gap between here on Earth and uh, uh, in Sri Hadikota and uh, the lander. I guess it was named Vikram. I don't remember exactly. Um, but um, he 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 must have okay. So. Um, so from what I've heard, uh, it wasn't not necessarily a communication problem because even if communications did go down, yeah. like so there was no communication, mm-hmm. um, Chandrayaan-2 was still meant to perform but, autonomous yeah, landing. You so say, was, yeah, you can say that it was supposed to do autonomous landing and hence it would have known where to land. But yeah, um, I think the trajectory somehow changed. Something happened. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. the speed, so I think it was the speed that they said, the speed. So for some reason, there was a software bug that caused the speed of Chandrayaan 2 as it was descending to get really fast. Mm. Um, and then Chandrayaan, 2, Chandrayaan 2's systems freaked out because it was like, wait, we're going way too fast. Yeah. Um, and it didn't have enough fuel to slow down, so it just, just crashed. Yeah, and it uh, that's what I... Even- it was not even ex- exactly at the point it was supposed to like land, and it's it not it, it did not crash it. It actually went uh, far farther down the line, like into the orbit, and then it crashed somewhere. Like it was somewhere around the southern hemisphere, but yeah, it was not exactly where it was. Yeah, so yeah, so that's why Chandrayaan t- uh, three is they 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 double triple checked for all the software mm-hmm. bugs. They're like no more software bugs. Um, they actually improved the landing, like the landing gear as well. Mm-hmm. So they actually got in touch with people from NASA mm-hmm. um, to like work with them to make sure that the landers are working, like the landers are strong enough, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so with Chandrayaan three, it's just it's just the lander. It's basically it's basically a repeat of the Chandrayaan two lander. 
Um, mm. That's what it is. Although, um, but there's news now that the that the Russian Luna Twenty Five rover might actually beat India to its own game. Oh, they might actually what is beat that? India. What is, what is that even? I don't even know that mission. So the Russian Luna 25, so this is L-U-N-A, Luna 25 rover, mm-hmm. um, is, is, uh, was a space probe that was launched like a month, like a, like two, a couple of weeks after Chandrayaan-3 was launched, right? They launched it and now it's expected to reach the moon before India's mission. Mm. Oh. So they, they're expected to reach by the 21st of and, yeah, uh, August. Like at 23rd. In the South Pole, on the South Pole. So yeah. it's not even like it's not even it's not even like any random place on the moon. Uh, it's on yeah. the South Pole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and India's just like, but we launched first. <laughs> yeah, and now now it's like what twenty third for India. It's twenty third, I guess. Twenty third is what they're yeah. saying. Yeah, twenty yeah. third. Okay. Yeah, I'm still pretty excited. I would like to see Chandrayaan three land land yeah. for the first yeah, time. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you wouldn't want to waste money. Um. Anyways, cool. Um, oh, and I would just deny the Russian landing. I'll just be like, no, no, you guys deserve, don't deserve the title. You guys don't deserve the title. Why, why I don't care if you technically. So, 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 so Russia, so Russia, um, so Russia's planning to beat in. So, for context, Russia's planning to beat India to get to the South Pole before they can. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, Russia's space probe, like the Luna 25 rover, it is pathetically small. It is small. It has got zero mass. It's mm-hmm. supposed to basically do nothing it's oh. supposed to just land on the moon and just sort of say hey we walked on the south pole yeah. like we sent a rover to then, the south pole say, even though the rover's not actually say, supposed to do anything then you can say they sent the first object but we sent the first working object how how about that like <laughs> something like that. okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pathetic anyway uh okay i can move yeah on. so we can move on should we or yeah sure if you want to yeah, yeah. Cool, uh, because I'm bored with that topic and, and now. Um, cool. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. So here's this. Uh, I've made this video. Uh, I've also recorded a video on this uh, solo. Uh, and the thing is that I read this article by an Arizona professor. And I've also watched his live streams, okay. Uh, and he's actually... What's the Arizona professor's name? Uh, Chris. Yeah. Professor Chris okay. Impey. So Chris Impey. Some per- I, I'm Chris, Chris Impey. Impey. Yeah. I okay, 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 okay. Cool. Okay. So I read this article by this professor called Professor Christopher Impey. Maybe Christopher. Okay. I do not want to say it Christopher. It could be Christian Impey. But anyway, it's Chris Impey. Okay, cool. And he's the dean of the Department of Astronomy at University of Arizona. Arizona. And so he was addressing the concerns that organizations like SpaceX are clustering the night skies, which has increasingly uh, proposed a problem of space debris and increased difficulty in star observation. So there are over 11,330, according to UNOOSA, there are about 11,330 SpaceX satellites uh, out there in space, and which account for more than forty percent of all satellites out that that are out there in space, I guess. Um, and the thing is that uh, he was concerning with this problem. He wrote an article on this, and that article was published on the on the website. What was what website was that? Okay, I've not mentioned it here. Cool. Uh, so it was. Uh, he wrote an article, and I read it. I made a video on this. I I actually read through the entire article and. 
explain stuff uh, through my own perspective. And yeah, now I want you. I want you to take take uh, uh, take a note on space debris and uh, space pollution and how you've briefly mentioned it in your book, if you have in any way or form. Uh, so, unfortunately, that's not really mentioned, and the reason why. Um, it sort of makes sense when you think about it from an author's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and from a reader's perspective actually as well, right? When you when you when you hear about a book and you hear, oh, it's a book in the solar system, right? And this is generally how you would plan books as well. Yeah. So, um, so when I was planning this book, um, I was sort of thinking like, how can I describe the core idea of what this book is about in one sentence? Right. And I sort of came up with this idea, like the latest research that has been that is uh, that has been discovered or is yet on or is still ongoing about the solar system. Mm-hmm. That's what the book's about. Oh, yeah. If I had to boil it down to this core idea, mm. um, unfortunately, space pollution and space debris do not fall under that uh, that core idea, right? Books, especially information books, need to follow a specific core idea because only then can you really say, well. This is what my book's about, right? Um, that's how you can convince your p- potential readers, like for example, you mm. listeners here, mm. that you know this is something that you should read about because it's not just some cluttered mess of my thoughts. It's a well-formatted book on this topic. Mm. Um, that being said, we do have um, future books in uh, the works, so they're not so that we haven't started writing them, but we've definitely thought of okay, them. Okay, um, tell me this thing. Do you get any form yeah. of recognition for writing a book at 16? Like just random, like not even, you know, having, made, having, having it made popular or whatever, but just having written a book and published it. Yeah, so, um, uh, so when I'm introducing myself to people, yeah. uh, I usually describe myself as, oh, yeah, I, I wrote this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, you actually wrote a book. And they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I have to be completely real with everyone. Um, yeah. When you write your first book, you have to take advantage of it. Um, you have to be the one to take advantage of it. No one else will take advantage for of it for you. Um, unless your book becomes extremely popular, in which case people will come to you, um, most likely that never happens. Yeah. You actually have to go out and you have to like create opportunities mm-hmm. alongside your book. So yeah. that's why I say... Um, so that's why I believe whenever you write your first book, write it on a topic that you're passionate about and you're already sort of in that space for, yeah. because then you can say, well, I'm an author mm-hmm. and that will open up more opportunities within that space, which can further promote yourself as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and when I was planning this book, that was kind of the thing that I was also thinking about. Like, I'm into astronomy. Okay. I mean, this so, would, this so makes I, the most I sense. Think of, I think of it this way, like... Whenever you might be introducing yourself to someone, instead of giving someone a business card, you give them your book, and you're like, "That's a cool thing." It's yeah. So, cool. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me your book. Um, yeah. Maybe same thing. Like you know, you reintroduce yourself to me, and I'm kind. I'm Divyaj Gunshin. Like I wrote this book. Like here, have it. It's just like, yeah, yeah that would be cool. You reintroduce <laughs> yourself to me, and you have a free copy of your upcoming book. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like astronomy is kind of something that I was interested in. And the thing is, is that the planning stage, the planning stage, if you work on it really, work on the planning stage really well, your book can turn out in a very well s- spot um, after its first draft. Mm-hmm. So 
before sending out sample PDFs to yourself and um, a couple of other people that I know, so many of them were astronomers, so that's why I wanted to get their their opinions on it. Um, uh, I actually got the book edited, so um, it's currently still being edited. Um, like just follow us on LinkedIn and you, you'll see the updates. But um, as of now, it's still being edited. Um, but basically... Um, during this editing process, I've already got one editor's feedback and he's an astronomer. So he knows like he's, he's been researching in this area for maybe 20, 30 years, yeah. um, 20 years, actually 20 years, close to 20 years. Um, so he's told me, so he's told me, yeah, it's a really great book, really well formatted. And this is the first draft, by the way. So usually people wouldn't say this on your first draft. People would usually say, yeah, it's a good book for now, but you need to restructure it. You need to make it better. You need to do this, that, that. Um, he said, it's a well formatted book, mm-hmm. right? Number one, well formatted book, well written book. So the written language is like mm-hmm. fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess, and it's sort of like, for me, I like to try and experiment with language, right? So experiment with how I write stuff. I don't just like to write it in the boring, this happened, this, 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 so on and so forth. I like to be a little bit more creative with the okay, way now, I write now, things. Now I want to read your book. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, after all. This, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. Move on, move on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. So if you want me to continue, so... um. But yeah, so the book, so yeah, so that's the that's the planning process. But then when you actually go about writing it, and when you've got a good plan, your writing process ends up being very, very, very quick, very quick, yeah. very swift, right? And especially when you know what your vision is, you can already make change. You can already decide things while you're writing um, to sort of reflect that vision. So for me, it was bring out beauty in the solar system. That's why. Um, if you are going to buy this book, um, which you can buy on Amazon, you're going to get the highest quality colored print of the book from Amazon. Um, and the, the reason why I did this, and, and there's, there's also another feature, which is that um, there will be separate entire pages just with images, right? And the reason why I did this is because you need to see the solar system in all its detail and all its glory. So why would you spend... $40 or $50 on a book um, that's got 3D models, right? That's got 3D models um, of, solar, of solar system objects, right? Um, when you're really there to see what astronomers see, right? If you want to be truly inspired about what astronomy does, just see what an astronomer sees, right? Do your own experiments. Get a get binoculars and just observe the night sky. For me, um, I've started doing a lot of astrophotography, so have uh, I'm, so I actually referenced um, a person that you might be interested in, which is uh, Elusive Photons um, or Craig uh, Craig Sharon, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really great astrophotographer. But you don't need fancy equipment to start off with astrophotography nowadays. Phones have gotten so good, especially the higher end uh, phones like the Samsung Galaxy S twenty three Ultra, that you can actually take fairly good photos of the night sky. Mm in pretty harsh environments yeah. right so i take like, photos with these, with these normal phones yeah you can do that you can absolutely do that um so for me um i live right next to uh i live right next to a bunch of light light sources so what i do i just go into my backyard and i take a photo of the night sky 
And it's about like a four minute exposure, which means that you leave the phone out for four minutes as it gathers all the light that it can receive from the night sky. And then you get these magnificent looking photos. And this is just with a phone, right? Um, you can get started with like appreciating the beauty of the universe by just starting with your phone and starting with um, the night sky. So that, that's what I'd recommend. Mm. Um, and this sort of book wants to reflect that. Uh, it wants to reflect that curiosity in beauty. Um, mm. It's also why we've uh, we've included quotes throughout the book. And these quotes are from like prominent astronomers and astro um, science outreach um, professionals. So, for example, a science communicators. So, for example, Carl Sagan um, is well known for his uh, inspiring quotes about the universe. Um, so, we've included um, uh, some of his most famous and uh, most inspiring quotes in the book as well. And has really to inspire you about the solar system, to really inspire you about um, the future of astronomy to show that like, you know, we're not just focusing on like two areas, but there's, there's, there's a bunch of research that we can do in every single bit of er every single area. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. I was talking to someone in the middle. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. One of, one more thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was, okay. I'm, I'm, Okay, I do not want to repeat my questions like regarding Mars, but okay, tell me a few things that are really like intriguing happening right now in the solar system. Like we we you know we thought we knew, know a lot about solar system. You know, everybody thinks that they know a lot about solar system. We have this these moons like Jupiter has like two hundred moons or so and stuff, and we think we learn a lot. But give me like just throw some facts that you think nobody would know. Something like that. How about that? Uh, okay. Um, well, I okay. Firstly, I can't remember everything that I write in my book. So, yeah, yeah. Um, if you want the answer to this specific question, I'd recommend just get the book. I recommend get the book, or I've sent you the free sample. Read yeah, that I mean, I if you want to. It, I cannot leave it for the audience, obviously. Right? I'm saying. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Sorry, audience. Yeah. Um, we, we, so, 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 um, for those who are listening in, um, you can just follow the, uh, the Astropods or you can follow myself on LinkedIn. That's where I post all my updates mm -hmm. and secret stuff, but we're going to be posting some free content for you guys. If you guys follow me, so like follow me and you'll get free content. Um, like you'll get freebies for like, uh, in preparation for the book. But personally, I recommend if you want to know this information on like what exactly is happening in the solar system, what is the current ongoing research, mm. just get the book because the book, because the book actively engages in questions that we still don't know about the solar system. Yeah. Um, it, it, it still engages in what we do know, but it also takes some effort to, in, uh, to sort of engage with the questions that we don't know. But for example, for example, why is our planet named earth? Why? Okay. Think about it this way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it seems <laughs> yeah. like a dumb question, but like, where did the word Earth come from? So we know, so we know all the other planets, Mar uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, all that stuff. They came from the Roman gods. And if you speak Hindi, you know that like you know the names came from um, you know certain uh, devatas. So for example, you've got um, uh, Shukra. Uh, uh, sorry, Buddh, Shukra, Mangal. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, Dharti. Yeah, Dharti or Prithvi. You can say either one. 
So the dharti is like land, okay? Prithvi is like earth, the entire planet. Yeah, yeah so Prithvi is like so earth. Um, dharti, right. land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mangal um, is Mars. Mangal. Yeah, Mars. Yeah, yeah. that's why. That's why. Chand- that's why. If so you, Chand- if you look. So if you, uh, I, I think you know the story of Chandrayaan, right? Chandra means moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So means, Chandra means moon. You can also means craft or vehicle. Craft. So moon craft. So yeah. So that's why it's named that. In fact, if you if you look at any name, so for example, um, in, in India's most famous mission by far was the Mangalyaan mission. Yeah. Mangalyaan. Right. Same thing. Um, they're releasing their new mission right now, which is um launching soon. The Aditya mission. Aditya means sun. Yeah. Right. Um. So you've got Aditya, uh, you've got uh, Budh, Shukra, uh, Mangal, Braspati, um, Shani. Um, Uranus and Neptune actually don't have names. Um, it, you would think it, that they're Rahu and seventh. Ketu. It is still seventh, you know. So the thing yeah. is that what, whatever these names are, these are also the names of the weeks in Hindi. So Mangalwar, Somwar, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, so, so when so, you put so, in, uh, yeah, like in the end, so it become days like yeah months. becomes a yeah, yeah yeah so so for context uh chandra can also be referred to as soma right that's what it's referred to in uh sanskrit right yeah. in hindi you would pronounce it som but in sanskrit it's actually soma yeah. so when you um so when you're uh so that's why that's where the names come from so somvar is moon day right yeah, monday makes yeah. sense um you've got um uh, mangalvar mm-hmm. mars day um, that's Tuesday. Um, so English is a bit weird in its naming. Um, they, it grabs some words from Iceland and like other Latin, countries. Latin. So that's why you've got the, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you've got, uh, Budvar. Then you've got, uh, Guruvar. Guru, Guru also means Braspati. So it's really the same thing. You can call it Braspati Bar as well. It's the same, Damn, you know it's the same word. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh Hindi meto podcast kar sakte hain but like meri Hindi jyada bhi achhi nahi hai but yeah. I did a, I did a Hindi podcast like yesterday day before yesterday. So um first I mean w- in Australia in Australia we're not that uncultured so we still we still keep in touch with our culture. Oh yeah. So um in so fact I'm actually mean, taking okay, Hindi so What do you mean like Okay what are some places where people become uncultured? Yeah, so there's no place where people become uncultured. It's just that um, there's less exposure to it. So, so it's pretty much just um, in Australia. You, the thing is, is that you can only become uncultured if you do not actively participate in your own religion uh, or like your own culture. Yeah. In India, the same thing can happen. You can become uncultured to the to your own culture, mm. um, even in India, because you just you just don't engage with the culture that you're that you're a part of. Yeah. Um, so even here in Australia, we 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 do, um, we've got a large Indian diaspora. So we do Holi, Diwali, uh, Dashera. Mm-hmm. We do all the main festivals. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do. We even do like. We even do some some like less well known ones. So when so in Australia, we 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 the pretty much the only ones that we really know of um, that many like sort of very light cultural people would know of are like Holi. Um, uh, Diwali, the Shara, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you're from Punjab, you would know the um. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's January thirteenth. That's usually the date. Um, Baisakhi. it's at the start of the year. I can't remember. But 
uh, it's it's something it's it's a Punjab like it's a it's a North Indian like Punjab like Haryana thing. Um, I mean, in India, if you uh, if you go out like Lodi, 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 I remember. Oh, Lodi. Yeah, Lodi. Lodi is usually during during the time of Holi, I guess. I don't remember exactly. No, no, no. So that's usually in the uh, that's usually in in early January, and that marks um. Mm. Like a specific um, agricultural event, it's yeah, it's yes. not necessarily, so, but they tie also, it to culture. Holi is also considered to be an agric- agricultural event, actually. Yeah, but they tie it to religion as well because of the stories and everything. So, like here in Australia, we can um, we do all that stuff. We even celebrate stuff like Guru Purnima. You know, mm. we celebrate no, not, that type I'm of stuff. Not, I'm we, not a Sikh, so. Nah, not yeah, uh, Guru Purnima is actually a, a Vedic event, so it's not just like it's not just Sikh or what, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's it's uh, as well. So you've got Guru Purnima Mahashivratri. We celebrate oh, yeah. that here as yeah, well. I think, um, I think it is happening right now. It's happened some. Yeah, um, we do. Yeah, so we we keep in touch with culture, and um, we we do watch content from content creators who like focus quite heavily on culture as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, ancient culture. So, for example, uh, I know you'd know this one, uh, the Ranveer show. Oh, so TRS. Yeah. I mean, come on, he's the most popular. The biceps. He's the most popular. Yeah, he's the most popular guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's the most popular Indian uh, podcast Podcaster. channel. Yeah. yeah, podcaster. He's got the yeah, and um, so we watch a lot of his content. So that's yeah. So we like his content. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of spirituality. Stuff. Yeah, I know, but a lot of his content is just weird and wacky. Um, well, so, like, he, he, he bring, brings these black magic people. No, 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 not even that. He brings, like, cricketers, actors, oh, that is politicians. Like, that is, like, he used to do, in, in fact, in his, in his earlier days, he used to bring more actors and more cricket stars, popular YouTubers. Now he's trying to bring, like, army people who nobody knows. It's like that now. Because mm. before he wanted fame, so he got, like, Priyanka Chopra... And all of these people, like who everybody followed on Instagram, like fifty million followers on Instagram. Now you have them on YouTube. Uh, yeah, and then he, then he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but much. like he's, yeah. So it's like, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just a fan of his content. Honestly, his mm-hmm. content's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty fun, pretty goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, just like your stuff. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not comparable. But hey, you might reach that point one day. You could like, you could, you could, you could be sitting physical. there. I don't do, do any physical. So, you know, okay, I got this. I even get offers of people, right? I get offers for them to conduct events offline for them and they will pay me literally. And I, I have to reject them because I'm just not allowed. So, it's, so the thing is that staying where I am today, like in this environment, in the surrounding is a big, uh, big drawback for me. And that is why I'm mm. trying to leave leave uh, obviously leaving country is something else because i just can't get into an iit first of all and secondarily even if i do get into i won't get what i want so i've done my research yeah and uh, so yeah just like because i okay i just don't want like comment it like this like this is the most laid back state in the country and all of that but yeah there is yeah. a certain lack of opportunities and exposure which is the reason why most kids uh, fall back, like in comparison to somebody living in Mumbai or Bangalore. It's not comparable. Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I mean, that's just pretty much just a wait of time. You just gotta wait. Yeah. You just gotta wait, so and then one going, moment. The next thing I'm going to college, so it's pretty much there. Yeah. So and then there reaches a moment where it's just like bang, bang, and you don't even know what happens. It's just like bang. Yeah, it's like something a, happens, hockey, and you're hockey, off. Hockey stick curve, pretty much. Yeah. Just like bang, you're off, and it's yeah. So, um. Sometimes things just happen, and you just gotta f go with it. Sometimes I haven't posted for a month, uh, for the past. I, I took a like a break, you can say, but also I was not able to find many guests who might be interested in the same. So I mm. Mm, maybe let it be for some time. Yeah, then I will try contacting people again. Same thing with the Astropods as well. So the Astropods is currently not producing any video content. So we're still producing written content. It's yeah. just that we're I, not so producing them, video content. Them. Yeah, you tag me and I read them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reason why is well, simply because it's 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 tough being a student. It's tough being a student and doing all of this stuff at yeah, the same yeah, time. Absolutely. You need to get out of this to like, especially in yeah, India. to really, especially in India. Like, I don't think Australia's courses are as vigorous as Indian courses are. Oh no, no, no. So they're still very rigorous. So even now, like. This is like, this is something very few people would do. So like jumping on a podcast this late, especially when, you know, um, exams are coming fairly close. They're like a couple of months away. So like usually mm -hmm. people would start to like remove this stuff by now. They would sort of remove the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm able to afford it, but like yeah. it, it comes at a pretty. Next year, so I have some time, like in December, I have to start doing the same. Yeah, so for me, once it once once late November finishes, then I'm pretty much free. After that, I can do whatever, uh, ever so it's I want. Different because the schedules are different. Why is that? So, so, so in Australia, um, and it's the same in India as well. The, the, everything's based on a summer timetable. So basically, you get your big break during the summer. Yeah. The summer here in Australia is from December to February. So that's why we get our. Um, breaks right. during this yeah. time, like the big breaks during then. Okay, so that is I'm a little bit free, but I will get. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get drenched in your yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna have to close it here because one yeah, my yeah. battery is. First yeah. of all, and I think it's and, over an hour, I guess. So I guess people might have left like at thirty minutes, maybe. I don't know. The yeah. retention rate is like forty fifty percent. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, anyway, I'll stop um, this, this I'm gonna.